Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to tackle the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm recently escaped from the Tower of London. I'm Tyler. I'm confused and kind of lost. My name is Zach. I think because of this or just normal? I mean, that's me normally, (laughs) but going into the beginning of this one, I'm like, I literally had to go back to the title screen and make sure I'd selected episode two. (laughs) Uh, I think that's a good place to start. But before then, we are watching episode two of Reconquista in G today. G-Self Startup. Okay, I want to talk with a general point. People say this show is confusing. And I don't think that it is. I understand why people think that. And I am strange in that I am a person who, maybe this is humble bragging, maybe this is me being arrogant. I think I have a very, very high level of story literacy. Uh, I think that's why I want to do podcasts like this in the first place. And I like to avoid trailers if I know I'm going to see something because I can make a lot of intuitive guesses from them. My two favorite movies are The Dark Knight and Madoka Magica Rebellion. And the thing those have in common, in addition to being sequels to stories with characters I care about a lot, are they are both movies that trick you into thinking they are over and then slap you in the face for being a dumbass who thinks it's over. So with all that said, I can follow this show pretty easily. But when I say pretty easily, I mean it takes all of my attention and I have to really focus on it. And it's not something like Madoka or Evangelion, where the more which are, you know, very dense. And so the more attention you pay to them, the more reward you get out. I have to pay that much attention to this show to watch it like a (laughs) Saturday morning cartoon where stuff is happening. Yeah, like really the problem is that there aren't sensible transitions between scenes most of the time. I think it's a combination of things. Like the start of this episode felt like I turned over two pages at once because... We were in space. We just had the last moment of the episode where he like turned on the G self and raised its arms. And I'm like, okay, now they're going to come back down from space. We're going to have to go through that and, you know, deal with them in, you know, engaging with uh, Ida here and, you know, perhaps saying Naredo's name. But no, they're just on the ground and it feels like there's like a, a couple of weeks have passed. And I'm like, did I select the wrong episode when I pushed, when I, when I went to my menu? It does feel like an abrupt shift. I don't think it's that abrupt, but also, in addition to me having a high level of story literacy, I've also said a number of times on this podcast that my favorite comic writer and maybe my favorite writer is Grant Morrison. And you either love Grant Morrison or you hate Grant Morrison. And if you hate Grant Morrison, a lot of your criticism of him is he moves way too fast. He's doing stuff way too quickly. And I didn't understand the last thing he did. And that's way easier in a comic where you can look at the panel for as long as you need to figure out what's going on. (laughs) and digest it. A panel can take be, you know, literal years, or it can be a flash in a moment, depending on the pacing of the comic and how good the writer is at manipulating it. One of the big differences between comics and manga and anime and movies is that the latter is in constant motion. And I think what the problem is, is not the transitions, which are too sudden, but the fact that this story never gives you any time to breathe. I've also said, obviously, my favorite anime is Gundam Seed. And that has so many slow, torturous moments where we watch Kira flash back to all the things he's thinking about for the audience to really ponder on what's going on. This series will introduce an idea, and then as soon as your brain starts to think about it, slam (laughs) cut to the next action sequence. And there's no time to breathe and think about these emotional moral quandaries, which are the reason we wanted to move into a real Gundam series after doing Build Fighters. Comparing episode one of Gundam Seed to episode one of... Rick and Easton G, they both end with the main character getting in the mobile suit, right? 
neither of them actually really do anything at that point. Like, it's just the end of the episode. But by the end of it, you kind of have a good handle on who Kira is, and you kind of have a good handle on who Bellary is. But they slam cut so hard right there after Bellary gets in the G-self to this episode that you can't really sit on, like, what Jeremy said, Ida being like, only I can drive it. Because now Bellary can drive it. And, and it's why like, is what that? is that supposed to mean? Well, and they kind of touch like, on that we, in this episode. And then this episode, they bring it back up, and it's like, well, we're not going to do that. Whereas in Gundam Seed, episode two demonstrates Maru trying to drive the strike and failing miserably and Kira having to basically fix it. And it shows you so much more as it's just continuing that thread. Here, there's a weird slam cut where we have to deal with a party. And why is a cadet assigned to this? Why is Bellary just being dragged around by the nose where the plot needs him to be? And again, to compare to Grant Morrison, that's because we skipped the boring scene where the principal told him, hey, you're going to be security on this, right? Because we see him and Lewin get called to the principal's office, and then we see them guarding the party. So presumably the through line is there. The principal assigned them to this for whatever reason, and the reason's not important. But again, in a comic book, that would just be a panel of Bellary and Lewin sitting there and your mind would fill in, ah, so what happened off screen is they were sent here. Here, they are immediately giving us exposition and then we're moving into the party and it's just moving too quickly. In some ways, I really appreciate it because Bellary piloting the mobile suit in space, which is presumably what happened, would be super boring and we don't need it. But there's such a harsh transition from, hey, we're going on this weird space field trip to, oh, now we're just at Catholic school. Yeah, literally, just a, a thing that says, like, one week later, I think, would have smoothed that over. Just, just a card to show us some kind of time frame. Yeah, last week we talked about how episode one and episode two were aired back to back, and it's super weird thinking about what problems that solves versus what problems that creates, <laughs> and I think you end up being about even on them, because that transition is going to be so harsh, like... There would have been a commercial break between the two episodes, presumably, but even with our like one week break between them, it feels so jarring. The other thing that I think goes into that is, uh, you know, Raya is a prisoner in episode one and in episode two, she has just been adopted by the cheerleaders. To be fair, they did a really bad job keeping her prisoner in episode one. Also, I mean, so. just because they're bad at their jobs doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to be like, OK, I think these students can keep an eye on the, this. The concept of justice has changed dramatically <laughs> yeah. in the future. I was going to say this is me maybe being generous to the show, but I don't want to turn this into cinema sins and us all being like, oh, so they put a gun up on act one and then it sure is convenient that in act three it's there for them to fire. sin but i think we're supposed to see this as very sci-fi and like prisoner treatment has changed dramatically for the better like in this one they seem to care mostly about raria's mental health because they can't really interrogate her if she's not all there right and they're like well she doesn't freak the hell out when she's with the cheerleaders so maybe she'll get better maybe she just needs some friends to hang out with for a week my problem is at least so far to start here the wise I want the whys, but okay. I'm not. The, the show is not currently interested in giving me the whys, because like, why are Bellary and Lewin tasked with guarding the party? Because they're at the top of their class. Yeah, but you just have how to- crap is your is your defense force that you need these two to do that? It's well, <laughs> I was gonna say it's newly formed, but they are the 1,010th class. So yeah, like the army is newly formed. The guard is not. And I want details there too. But I wanted to bring this up too because I read a bunch of quotes when we started this, and one was of Tomino saying, "People don't respond to a story made with cold logic, right?" 
And that's such a weird, interesting quote after seeing a couple episodes of this, because that's a translation through Japanese. So it already might be weird. But what the hell does he mean? Because this is the most vibes-based Gundam show I've ever watched. And I wonder if Tyler's comparing it to a Ghibli film is part of what made me think this. But I absolutely love the vibes of G-Reco. And I think a lot of the people who give it positive reviews, it's all about those vibes. I love the weird Catholic Disneyland that is their school. <laughs> I love the walkers. I love how Dragon Quest, or you said D&D, it feels, Zach. Like, the whole setting is super interesting. And just seeing pictures of it, I really like. I really like the, like, weird prison tower. But once you get to any sort of logic, and again, this is a problem a lot of people have with Grant Morrison, they're not giving you explanations. And in some ways, I think that's because they respect us as viewers and they let us intuit those on our own. But then when you're watching, they literally don't give you the time to process and do that. And there are some things that I think it's okay to keep close to the chest. I think it's okay for them to have not really explained the difference between the army and the guard yet. The problem is they're keeping way too much to the chest. I don't really need to know necessarily the difference between the army and the guard because not even the characters are super clear on, like, they don't even seem to know exactly what the difference between the army and the guard is going to be or yeah, what just it like is. The random background characters discussing it the way they do implies that there is some confusion. So right? that's fine. It's just like some of the weirder elements that are that are stand out. Main, the main one that I, I go back to, at least for this episode, is just that why are Bellary and Lewin here? Like, yeah, and- why are they specifically, why do they need to be here? Because, like, it feels more like, less like, oh yeah, this is, th- there's a, re- a story-based reason for it, and more of, I need these characters to be here specifically, and you just didn't bother to actually think up a reason, you just hand-waved it and said they're here now, which it- is why I was saying it felt a little bit like a D&D campaign with somebody who had a couple of people not show up. It's weird to me, Zach, that you fixate on that. Because that is the thing I care the least about that they haven't explained personally. But I do think it's Trent. I'm way more concerned about, like, why is Ida here? And, like, wh- what exactly is the deal with that that they're not explaining? Because I don't think they need to be there for the plot. They could be with Naredo and Manny, who just sh- they bump into. They could have been together from the start on a date or just hanging out, and the plot doesn't change at all. They could have been hanging out separately from them. It only requires the two of them be together, and there's a hundred reasons they could be together. See... I actually can explain why I am not, why I don't have issues with that. And it's freaking stupid. It's because I have enough context as to what her deal is from playing Super Robot Wars X. Okay. <laughs> it's external knowledge, which is hurting my ability to actually, like, be entirely objective with what the story is telling me. But also, like, I already kind of got a grip on, like, she is here because she is a prisoner, because somebody is already figured something out because the guy in charge the he's not a bishop colonel compa or is that who you're thinking of not not the the white-haired guy not his holiness who we've only heard called his holiness right uh colonel compa the the leader of the research division yeah the the, the old man who is leader research he implies when he talks to ida that he's already got something like he already knows something and that kind of gives it to you especially because like uh lewin and bellary talk a little bit about it too like they know something is going on and so I'm okay with them not strictly telling me exactly what that is because I'm supposed to ask that question. Like, that's a question that's supposed to be in your mind. It's supposed to be like, what is the deal here? There's something going on here. It's the weird side things that I've always fixated on and it's always been an issue. Yeah, it makes me think you would hate Grant Morrison comics because it actually (laughs) doesn't matter why they're there. The story doesn't change at all. Like, they're just on an assignment. It's presumably part of their schooling because it seems this schooling has a lot of practical... Like, that's why they sent them up on the space elevator to, like, go out into space, right? So... 
and they're the top of the class, so they're the ones who get to guard the important party, as opposed to just like a board meeting with some bishops that you know the guys bullying Bellary gets stuck with. Uh, like, <laughs> but I do think that speaks to a general trend of they don't explain nearly enough, right? And they also don't leave you enough time to draw your own conclusions. One more thing, this prologue is long and I have to turn this around quick in editing, so let's make it even longer. We've said before, but I think it draws repeating and drawing more attention to, this is the first Gundam series none of us have watched before. And so, like, Zach has the most context. I've also played that game, but, like, only half cared about the Reconquista and G stuff, and I played it four years ago. Yeah, I have played it more recently than you. So this was something of a problem with Double O, but please don't give us knowledge from the future. I understand if you're not watching along with us, it's hard to remember what knowledge we have now if you've watched this series before. But that was a small problem with Double O, where I was very careful to try not to give additional knowledge to Tyler and Zach that we hadn't been given by the series yet, so we could critique when the series gives you that information. I know Zach is a person who will be very bothered on a first watch by people not explaining stuff to him, even stuff that is explained later. And then on a second watch, he will be fine with it because of the context, like he just explained. So please, I, I mean, I assume no one listening to this is actually watch Reconquista in G. <laughs> but if you have, and you're on our Discord, feel free to engage with us, but try to chill on knowledge that comes from later in the series. I also really wonder... If we should have watched the G-Reco movies, which are paced differently, I don't think it would be as good for this podcast, but I wonder if we incorporate watching them somehow. Cause That's they, an interesting idea. I don't know how available those are. Uh, I found them somewhere, <laughs> is what I will say about that. And I am intending to at least watch the first one after we've watched everything it covers to see if I think it's a worthwhile experience. Because I wonder, do we watch them after we watch the appropriate episodes? Do we watch them at the end? Do we cover them in some way? I am, you know, springing this on you guys. Usually when I bring up these ideas, I've talked to you about them beforehand, but I feel like this is just a natural point to bring them up. Are they basically just movie versions of the episodes? They are recap movies. I wonder if they're the weird situation where the recap movies have more space and time between them (laughs) for you to think instead of being rapid cuts. I don't know So it's a little bit like the first two Madoka movies? Yes, but there are six of them for the 26 episodes. Huh. Okay, interesting. How long is each one? I don't know. I would have to look. I think okay. they're like around an hour and a half to two hours. That might be something worth looking into, at least. Yeah, like I wonder if we cover them at the end after we've done this all, maybe cut them all in two, or if we cover them as we go. Like I said, I'm going to watch the first one and maybe pitch something to you guys, but I wonder if how different an experience that is, because the movies all get pretty good reviews. And I wonder if it's just because it's people who already like G-Reco watching them, or if it's because it fixes a lot of the problems with G-Reco. And there's only one way to find out. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into this episode? I will say the opening sequence still sucks, but the song is really growing on me. <laughs> I don't mind the song. Like we, we discussed it a little bit off the mics. The opening suffers really badly from we pulled animation from the episodes and that made up our opening. I think you called it, it reminds you of like a 90s cartoon Yep, this opening. Is, at least Ed, Ed and Eddie had a real opening. It's really more an 80s cartoon thing. So like poor marks in your opening status there, Tomino, on this one. But the song's not bad. I feel exactly the same. The song's not bad. Um, and I sure do skip the opening every time I watch it anyway, so. All right, so we are watching episode two of Reconquista in G, G-Self Startup. You can watch along if you have the DVDs or a time machine and can go to when Crunchyroll or YouTube had it. This was on Crunchyroll? 
uh, according to according to a number of news articles I found, I felt like I was like citation needed. But <laughs> I wonder if it was available in Crunchyroll in different loca- in different countries. That's a possibility. Although I, I found a number of articles saying, yeah, the G Reco movie is out. If you want to watch the series, it's on Crunchyroll. Link here. And the link is like, Recon and G is not on here. And I'm like, was it on here or did this article lie to me? So we really start with just a whole bunch of exposition to make up for the fact that we didn't say narrator's name last time about the <laughs> Capitol Army and Veraya Monday. Like we literally start with just a board meeting of some guys recapping the proper nouns from last episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, and the unit that was piloted was by Ida and all this other stuff as if you didn't actually watch the other episode, which is really weird if they were supposed to be watched back to back no you just came in in the second you came back from the commercial break you spent the entire half making pop or first half making popcorn and now you're here for the exciting second half captain delinson whose name i have deleted whoever i mean from which from mercury's dad's name is because they're too close my brain can only handle one at a time i have deleted (laughs) the better character's name from my brain for you guys so i hope you appreciate it isn't it Delling? It's something, Zach. I don't know because I can only remember it or Delinson. They're too close. I I need to watch Witch from Mercury, which I think I have said on every episode since like for years now. <laughs> anyway, so this is this is I think the Colonel. Yeah, and he's like, ah, Belry's Zenim. It's probably a coincidence, huh? I I do love that Belry's official photo. He's just sticking out his tongue for no apparent reason. Well, it's a very character thing, because, like, we've already seen that Bellry's default expression is a smile. So, like, Bellry is kind of a goofy character, a goofball type type of character, which, honestly, I can definitely appreciate that, because basically every other Gundam character is angst incarnate. Yeah, an angsty sad sack? That's fair. Kira so- needs Bellry as a friend. Like, let's, <laughs> let's put it that way. So we cut to their school, which is if the Vatican was Disneyland in the future, and I love it. <laughs> I want a D&D game set here. So the cheerleaders are running through like a overpass thing. Meanwhile, cut to Lewin. It's it, Lewin, a couple of other guys, and Bellry. Bellry's behind him. Basically setting in up. In a different color uniform. I assume these are like school uniforms, but Bellry's got a black, black oh, shirt, he's younger red than, tie. He's younger than the rest of them. But so. he's in the same class. Oh, that's true, because he skipped grades. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know what's going on. Maybe they still wear make him wear a uniform for his age. Maybe it's the only one that fits. Maybe it's the yeah. It's a Makoto situation, and they'll all see his butt if he <laughs> if he wears their school uniform. Wait, who? Sailor Jupiter. Okay, I'm sorry. You said Makoto, and I saw you saw Persona Makoto. Yes, I saw her instead. I'm like, wait, but what? <laughs> they didn't. That never comes up, and she's actually kind of short. <laughs> so anyway, Lewin's like, anyway, Hangar 25. That'll be important later. That's where they stuck the Gundam. And Billy's like, hey, that's where the other proper noun, the Academic Research Library, is right. <laughs> And someone gets on his case like, but I mean, this isn't as you know, like, why don't you know this? I mean, he clearly knew he was just asking a clarifying question. Anyway, Capital Guard, Capital Army, Capital Capital. There's lots of capitals. Uh, No one knows what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, this is basically just exposition time to tell us, like, bring us up to speed of the part that the series didn't want to show us. I do find it funny that Bellary is like, why are they studying this unknown mobile suit? That seems suspicious. (laughs) Lewin's like, yeah, it's suspicious. That's what they're studying. <laughs> anyway, the cheerleaders show up to cheer for Bellary defeating the pirates. There's a space in the cheer line for Varaya, and she is just standing there not participating. Bellary gets bullied by some bullies, but Lewin Lee, a good friend, is like, hey, quit bullying the protagonist. One day you're going to be working for him or dead next to him. <laughs> and the guy's like, you're just trying to ingratiate yourself. 
And we get that Kuntala thing again, but they haven't explained it. It's clearly an insult of some kind. I looked it up. It- I specifically did not because I wanted to find out when it was revealed. Because at this point in Gundam Seed, we don't know what coordinators are yet. No, that's fair. Um, it turns out it's not important. Uh, spoilers. But they haven't but- necessarily been, like, coordinators weren't used as, like, an insult. I At this point in time, coordinator hadn't really come up as a thing yet. It's come up a few times in passing dialogue, just like the Kintala thing has. But no one's explained what it means yet. I assume it's like a nationality at this point. I thought it might be people with gems in their head, since Naredo Nug has one of those nice anime gem heads, <laughs> but Lewin Lee does not. So I don't know if it's just like an insult about culture or I'm like I said, I'm assuming it's a nationality, though maybe it's like a suck up thing. I don't know. Uh, Tyler does, apparently. I do. Um, and I will not spoil it because I want to see if the show ever gets around to explaining it. But Lewin here clearly takes offense at being called one, so... But Bellary breaks it up and look, they made Raraya a cheerleader. And they're like, isn't she under surveillance as a prisoner? And they're like, yeah, she's basically here uh, because it's good for her mental health. They believe in that in the future. It's a paradise. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lewin is like, hey, Manny, what, what's with the, what's with the uh, waif? And Mary's like, oh, yeah, they let her in our class to hope her memories come back. Is she a Kintala? And they're like, we're not talking about that. But the narrator's like, she won't say where she's from, which is, I think, probably why I think nationality. That would make sense, because that's what uh, Naredos does say, is that she won't talk about where she's from. And we also get the fact that Raraya is the thing she says, and Monday is the day they found her. So she is for Raya Monday. She she is very happily shaking the pom-poms while they're talking about this. Raya Monday, born on a Sunday. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Bellary and Lewin get called to the principal's office, as we discussed before. I do like how Lewin is like, hey, you take good care of the of the waif as he goes by. The bullies try to do grabby hands at the cheerleaders. I don't like how weirdly horny they are. They're, I, I'm going to be a hypocrite and talk about how weirdly horny the series is and how I like it in some ways later. But I do not like how weirdly horny the schoolboys are. And it keeps happening. This is, It's twice in two episodes. Uh, anyway, the Pope comes by on his mecha chocobo. His mecha chicken. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who was thinking of them as chocobos. <laughs> I think I've spent too much time around 40k. My thought was those dune striders that Kevin has. I mean, that's fair too. Uh, so the the Pope comes up and looks at Raya through some opera glasses, even though he is literally five feet from her. Yeah, he's like five feet away, like <laughs> downstairs, and then she hides behind her pom-poms. I think it's important to note we are referring to him as the Pope through context clues. He's only ever called Your Holiness. I do kind of love how casual he is with Naredo, though. He seems like a pretty down-to-earth Pope. This yeah, he seems true. pretty chill. Because Naredo's like, hey, what the fuck, dude? Why are you looking at her with opera glasses from five feet away? And he's like, oh, sorry, Naredo. Okay. Yeah, so th- This is the first time we actually get her name. So my, my question is, is, is her name presented Japanese style where it's surname, personal name? It is, because I know I was looking through characters and I saw her dad will appear. Okay, so her family name is not Nug. No, her family name is Naredo. Okay, so her name is Nug, and that's even worse. <laughs> Look, her dad just really, really loved those McDonald's Nuggies, and they can't get them in the in Disneyland Vatican. That is a really weird way to, because I think throughout all of Super Robot Wars X, she's always referred to as Naredo. So I just assumed that was her first name. I mean, if your choices were Naredo and Nugzak, what would you ask your friends to call you? Fair point. I mean... I ask everybody to call me by a shortened version of my name, so I guess that makes sense. I'll say you'd be Nori-chan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the His Holiness waves. 
and is starts talking to himself. Yeah, he also speculates about coincidences and young girls. He has uh, a nun with a with an umbrella following him. A nun umbrella, never... if you will. Vow of silence, Zach. <laughs> but that doesn't stop her because of the umbrella from throwing shade. Uh, so we cut to a party. As established earlier, it's a cool fireworks party with mobile suits and cadets guarding it. I was going to say, and like some new mobile suits that we haven't seen yet, right? Like, no, we've seen these before. Have we seen the Kate Yeah, the, the Kate were what um, the Captain Delinson, I believe his, his name is, uh, was flying at the very beginning of the series. Okay. Yeah. Like, he, this is what he used to catch uh, Roraya. Gotcha. Uh, but anyway, uh, for our benefit, Bowery is like, hey, is that a sweet Kate Sith? And Lewin's like, Meowth, that's right. So Lewin is like, hey, I bet you want to go to the tower with the prisoners to rescue that pirate lady, right, Bellary? And Bellary's like, why would you think I would want to do that? <laughs> uh, we're very clearly, he is actually thinking about it. Uh, meanwhile, Random Lady appears, but it turns out Random Lady is Bellary's mom. Who's also the director of the school, Catholic Disneyland as a whole. The Capitol Guard. It's she's the director. Un- she, yeah, she's the director. Director of what? Unclear. Yep. It, the uh, tourist board's introductory movie. It almost doesn't matter in that, like, she holds a position of power. I think it's the school because the one of the bullies earlier basically was like, so, "You're the oh, director's yeah. son, and you don't know this." So she clearly has some kind of power, and so I just assume it's the school. Anyway, Colonel Campa Rosita has arrived. And he is the most Final Fantasy-ass character we have seen so far. He is a Final... He's got a Final Fantasy-ass character design on him. He's got a cape he's just waiting to throw off so he can transform into a bunch of arms or tentacles <laughs> exactly, or gears yes. or whatever. And it's so wild when you compare him to everybody else in this scene because everybody else is just, like, in a uniform. That looks like a really fancy Final Fantasy version of the uniform. But anyway, he's like, hey, I hear your son captured a pirate mobile suit. That's very impressive. And she's like, oh, man, he's just eager and quick to act. And Bellary says, uh, it comes from trying to live up to my mother's expectations. And I am so frustrated with the dialogue in this series because I don't know if this is Bellary just being polite, revealing that his mom has very high expectations and that's why he's such a tryhard, or if he's being sarcastic at her because she has like demeaned his achievement. I think all three, actually, uh, is I how I if read it. it. Would work, if that would work a little bit better... Um... If I spoke Japanese and could intuit the right uh, line read, the intonation. Uh, no, I was actually going to say from a storytelling perspective, if we didn't get his mom right here, like if she, if if we got her a couple of points before this or later on in the series to get how their actual relationship works, because it, we don't have that here. But this line feels like it's expecting us to have a uh, at least a context for their relationship. Maybe there's some kind of like cultural thing that i'm missing yeah, that like, they're playing into and she doesn't laugh like she basically doesn't respond to it so it's hard to tell yeah like i think this line is supposed to do some heavy lifting and i don't know what it's lifting and that's frustrating yeah and like that might be as simple as i'm not i don't speak the language and it would be more obvious but like i said i can easily read it as any or all of those options and that's frustrating because that's uh, how, how i feel about a lot of the dialogue in this episode is that it's wasted trying to exposit what's happening to make up for how quick the cuts are so we don't get as much character interrelation as I want. At the end of this episode, the only characters I really like are Naredo and Manny because they get to have, like, character dialogue and I kind (laughs) of know who they are. Lewin Lee gets the bulk of the, oh, what? A guy off screen is talking to me, telling me what's going on sort of dialogue. And Bellary, I think it's a mix, but I don't know what's what. When he also says uh, you're disposition has a strong effect on your son director and it's like we don't know who she is yet (laughs) 
Uh, so it's hard to say. But like I said, I can see that as enforcing or negating any of those versions of the line read, right? He could be playing along with the joke by saying that, or he could be like, oh, like clearly you have a strong relationship. Like it's the, the line is not clarifying and it doesn't necessarily need to be. I feel like this is the most we're going to get about what Bellry and his mom's relationship is. And so I'm very frustrated that I couldn't take anything from it. Um, I do have a minor nitpick as they walk into the ballroom and the guards all salute behind him, which seems kind of pointless to me. So anyway, uh, Bellary's mom, the director, runs in and spots the Pope just as he's about to give a speech. Yeah, apparently Space Pope is here. Um, uh, I like this one guy wearing a goddamn like Victorian neck collar thing. What is the fashion in this timeline? It's got a weird like combination of like 1920s fashions and then like more modern fashions and also like goddamn 1600s (laughs) i don't so this is a thing i wanted to talk about and we went so long in the opening i decided to skip it but since it's come up is tomino just a design genius because if you look (laughs) at the original mobile suit gundam it just looks like star trek space stuff right but he hadn't actually seen uh, star trek space stuff does star trek space stuff look that way because of gundam and we're just like reversing it because Turna Gundam has a great look of this like turn of the century industrial revolution thing. I haven't watched as much Dunbine or Heavy Metal Elgheim as I would have liked to, but Dunbine has this great fantasy insect look, and Elgheim is all based on 80s hair metal. And it, uh, it's like, what if 80s hair metal was sci fi? And that's a rad look. And same with <laughs> uh, the Evangelion ish series he did that I can't think of the name right now, just the theme song. Like, is he just really good at putting a vibe in a setting? I mean, that's a good point because I actually have seen Dunbine and I like a lot of the mobile suit designs in that and character designs in that. And, and they are very like, 80s, but. And I'm thinking like the, the fantasy design of it too, right? Like the castles and the forests. That's all very much a look, right? Mm hmm. And this is very much a look, even if we can't determine exactly what the influences are. And it's my favorite part of G-Reco, to be quite honest with you. And like the weird cheerleaders next to the Capitol Guard thing. Again, it's a look. It's all (laughs) sorts of different eras mashed together, but it's a look that I really appreciate. Also, do we think the cheerleaders are planning for careers in this weird dance performance that we see? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say because they also (laughs) like said at the beginning of the previous one, you know, like, their goal is to find husbands, so I don't know if that was supposed to imply something or other. I mean, I think that's just general. I You can want a husband and a career. Especially as a dance butterfly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, K- Koompa Reseda, Captain Reseda, what is his rank? Colonel. Colonel. Colonel Reseda goes up to the Pope, and the Pope is like, play nice with the foreigners. Yeah, and then all of their communications are jammed. Uh, and it's like, oh, we've got Minovsky particles. They've been spread to combat density, and I throw up my hand. We then get a super awkward, we've cut to quick line, when we cut to Manny, Naredo, and Raraya, whose cell phone is also jammed by the Minovsky particles, which I like. But then they're like, hey, weren't they saying some stuff about rescuing the prisoner and the G and all that off screen before this? I like how they're riding along in this, like, chicken walker. Like, Manny's driving, and Raraya and Naredo are hanging on to the back of it. But, like, we also saw actual cars driving on the road next to him it's like is this just like their version of an e-bike yeah is there are they just not old enough to drive a car but they can drive this but they can drive a chicken yeah and and like the chicken walkers totally part of that look i was talking about because they really like they make it feel way more fantasy and it's really cool but this is such so awkward for pacing that why are these the characters telling us about the military tactical stuff i feel like we should have maybe seen the military who's invading like put these stuff over the radio 
as like a threat to start to build tension so that it wouldn't feel like it came out of God um, nowhere. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, weren't they just at a party? Weren't you talking about dancers? And, the and answer yes, is we were, yes. <laughs> but now that's done. We don't care about that anymore. There's going to be an action scene. Or like I was just thinking as you were speaking, flipping the two around. So we get these guys as things are going, as static is coming up, and they're confused as to why their phones are going staticky. Then they go to the colonel and the captain and them being like, so they were, so that's what they said, and now they're going to combat density, so that's why we've got all the static. Like, if you want to continue with that particular formatting, that's probably a better way to do it, because then you can also show, like, as these guys are running around, without having them do the whole explanation thing if you were to do it here just have like mobile suits go over the top of them as opposed to just them giving us an explanation mariah does see the space elevator and is like that's home yeah and well no there's there's where narrado is like before the jamming started they were talking about getting the space pirate back and it's like well thanks for the as you know there manny yeah, like, it's just such a weird way to convey the information to us, because we need it to make sense of any of it. And like I said, I wonder how much of this is dialogue added after they saw the scenes come back and were like, oh no, this doesn't make any sense. We've got to <laughs> put in some dialogue to do some heavy lifting. I don't know. I actually think we could have cut that scene because we got, oh, the pirates are back. That's all the context we needed. And then cut to pirates attacking, I think would have been fine. Well, the thing is, I think this scene with the random dude outside the pool, with the pool like, he... He kind of isn't important. Nope. Like you can do, you can achieve this effect better with characters we already know and care about, like having Manny, Noredo, and Mariah have like them go over the top at really close levels, like showing kind of like when in uh, Gundam Seed we saw the Kira's friends running around outside while they were under attack. Like that's a better way of emphasizing they're under attack than whoever this dude is. Well, I kind of like this because we get like a bunch of random civilians and that's showing that the space pirates are willing to risk civilian casualties to achieve their goals. Yeah, it's similar to Heliopolis just being attacked. I'm fine with it. And I think you do want to cut to the three of them to establish that they're out tonight because like it's a little bit of an olive branch of continuity, right? When they then run into the boys, it doesn't feel as random as if that had been the first time they showed up tonight. That's fair. I'm not saying cut them out entirely. I'm not saying cut it. I was. So they, some random people in the crowd are like, it has to be the Armenians. Everybody hates people that sound like America. <laughs> Ar- Americans. No, they're Americans. They, they're <laughs> not Armenians. You're right. Sorry, Americans. And Dellen said, is like, oh no, the army isn't ready yet. And I'm not sure if he means specifically the army is not ready for this sort of attack yet, or the army in general is not ready yet <laughs> to be an army. Based on some comments people make later, I think it's kind of a combination of both. The army isn't up to scratch with what they want it to be at yet, and uh, they are—they do not have the equipment and manpower necessary to deal with this yet. Also, as soon as uh, some mobile suits fly overhead on some Universal Century-style support flyers, the Kaithsith take off after them. Actually, I do like the combat in this episode a lot more. I think in part because when it's just mooks we don't know the name of, I'm way less... I care way less about combat continuity yep. and specific choreography. It's kind of cool to see it be chaotic. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't need to have a necessarily a, a super good grasp on what everybody is doing because the characters involved, like the ones we're following, don't necessarily have a good idea of what's going on. I am going to put out an aside here, and that's that I love laser whip bayonets. Is a really cool idea. <laughs> I don't really like them as an idea. Um, I would have preferred it to just be a straight up like laser bayonet. Although everyone was really surprised when uh, Ida pulled out a beam saber earlier, so I'm wondering if they. But they do have laser whips, so I'm not really. 
I'm maybe, not really sure why. <laughs> maybe it's hard to make the beams like act in a sturdy motion. Okay. And but like it is like you can make them loose and whip like. So we see Lewin and Bellary evacuating some important-ish looking people. And Bellary's like, hey, aren't those pirate mobile suits? And last episode, were pirate mobile suits not a thing? I guess if I want to be generous to the show, though, he did see some pirate mobile suits that weren't Ida's go down. So maybe he's like, those are the ones the pirates had. Yeah, that is what he said. I do like that Bellary's like, we can't fight those with rectons. Those are basically maintenance vehicles. Don't you see that one over there getting wrecked? Recton? <laughs> Gets wrecked so hard it falls in the water and knocks Raria off the chicken. Like that's like a five foot fall. Yeah, onto concrete that hurts. That's okay. She's waif weight. It's like being a cat. You just <laughs> your bones are so uh, hollow that you don't really get harmed by falls. But so she gets up and starts like running off as Bellry and Lewin have acquired their own chicken walker and are heading to Hangar 25. I guess they're arguing about if they're going to head to Hangar 25 or the prison tower first. And they nearly run over Raria and smack into the other chicken walker. Uh, Lewin manages to do some cool brake maneuvers and do a comedy plots instead uh, of hitting Bellry's driving. Is he? I yeah, Bellry's driving. You're right. Um, but yes, they, they face plant. Uh, this is why I think bipedal uh, walkers like this are a terrible idea. They are an absolutely terrible <laughs> idea. Are they worse an idea than motorcycles? Yes. <laughs> Just from a mechanical perspective, yes. I mean, if we want to go all the way into that, so are mobile suits. Oh, yeah, but no, mobile suits are a terrible rad, idea. So I'm okay with it. Uh, so Raya starts g as is her want in life. And uh, <laughs> Lewin Lee is like, what's she saying? G? I mean, it seems pretty solid. So they, they see a Recton has been kicked into the prisoner tower and taken off one of its towers. You mean the goddamn Tower um, of London over there where they keep all their prisoners? This makes me wonder, do they actually know where she is? Because they're like, we want the prisoner back, but we're willing to kill her if we have to. I assume the pirates do not know where she is. Because they don't seem to pay any special attention to the area. Yeah. My initial thought was, no, they definitely know. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, they probably don't know where she's being kept. They would need a spy, right? And surely this story would tell us if there was a spy. Surely. So the boys tell the girls to go home, but narrator's like, to Hangar 25. I mean, <laughs> it's actually, a, in a weird way, reasonable for them to say, go home, your basic, your civilians. <laughs> so they have to get across the canal to reach the prisoner tower. So and Bellary jumps on some boats. Yeah, he, he barges through on some barges. And Manny is like, anything they can do. Three girls are about the same weight as two guys, right? We'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, it also looks like they're driving a slightly bigger and heavier walker than the than the guys are. Again, Raya is, is waif weight. She doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, but th their walker is bigger. Uh, but anyway, Manny just totally does it, and it's fine. Which is why she's great. Yeah, already my favorite character in this show is Manny. Too bad she probably doesn't get to do a whole lot, actually. I think she might. I don't know. I know a thing about what Manny does. <laughs> I think she might. I don't want to go into it super far because I can't remember a lot specifically. So Bellary has a flashback to being Dreamweavered. <laughs> and Gluin gets a call that's like, what? Some exposition about what's going on. Yeah, I will take it. It'll be helpful. And Bell goes off on his own. And I do really like this bridge sequence with the mobile suit breaking most of it. There's a lot of risk of falling and Reconquista in G, and I'm kind of here for it. As <laughs> I just a quick little bit of tension. I like how it's like it's clear that the pilot didn't realize that he didn't have stable footing there because he steps onto like the wooden drawbridge and the foot goes straight through. I like that effect because it really reinforces just how big and heavy these machines should be. And then it like grabs onto the side of the castle to support itself. It's a really cool shot. 
And I've talked before about how I love mixed arms in Gundam and how rarely we get to see it, but it's even rarer that we get something from like this perspective, right? Even in early episodes when people are running from mobile suits because main characters haven't fallen into a cockpit yet, it's so rare to see someone actively moving around a mobile suit battlefield and the difference in scale there. Also, Bellary makes it into the prison tower, which is just a dungeon from a Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, I'm pretty sure I played through this level when I played uh, Dark Souls. No, no. What was that ninja game? Ninja Gaiden? Tenchu. Tenchu. Ah. Uh, I think I played this level in Tenchu. Naruto <laughs> Ultimate Shippuden Ninja Storm 3 and a half times 2. So Bellary screams for it. Ida to answer him because that's a great idea. Well, that's not a terrible idea, but she doesn't answer. And Bellary's confused looking around the tower wondering which way he, he should go. I do uh, love this shot of the girls getting right next to him and him being so confused that he is startled by them. <laughs> And Manny and Noreta both yell at him to not get distracted by a woman. They're like, Bellary, you're so clearly horny. That uniform doesn't hide anything. Stop trying to <laughs> lie to us. But anyway, there are guards here. And I don't know why they haven't evacuated. Like, they surely should have done something, whether that's evacuate or well, evacuate the prisoners or secure the prisoners. When the t- when the tower part got knocked off because a rectin went through it. So Bellary and Noreto start Metal Gear Solid their way up. Well... Manny takes responsibility for Uriah and puts her in her cardboard box. So they'll be safe. <laughs> yeah, no, especially that Naredo gets knocked over by an explosion right outside of the tower. Like, I think like they do that something. effect. Like, it's really cool. Because like Jeremy said, we don't see a lot of them. Because even when there are people running around on Mobile Suit Battlefields, usually it's a situation where they're distinctly detached and there's not really mobile suits near them. It's like a battlefield is happening around them. Although I think there is an incident in F-91 where someone is actually killed by a shell casing. Yep. I'm familiar with that scene. Which is kind of a neat effect. So Naredo and Bellary decide to distract the guards by yelling fire to get them to gain the extinguisher. And then Bellary MC Eschers himself straight into a wall because there needed to be a comedy beat here, I guess. (laughs) I do love the animation of both of Bellary falling and of Naredo full-on catching him to give him a second reflex save for half damage. (laughs) Why? Why She's like, why are they built that way? And he's like, I don't know. It's dumb. And then cut to just fade to black. We we don't even get an eye catch. We should get an eye catch here, but we don't even. There must have been a commercial here. It's the only way the pacing even a little makes sense. Live from the Radio Tower of London, it's me. Hi, it's Tyler. Also, this is no longer a live recording by the time you're hearing it. Uh, Thanks for joining us for episode two of Recognition G, the one where we are in school all of a sudden, and we get to learn something about Belry's mother, I guess, and also there's a dramatic escape scene. Also, girl power! which is what I yell when I'm riding giant chickens. Uh, gonna keep this one short and sweet this week. Hey, we have a patreon.com slash lastpodcast, where for $5 a month you can get all of our episodes early in addition to bonus content. This month's bonus episode is Zach doing a we cut him off at exactly one half hour explanation of Battletech lore. It was very funny. Also, since this is my podcast, I can plug my own Let's Play that Jeremy and I are doing of Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green. We're doing a soul-linked Nuzlocke, or as Jeremy said, a soul-lock Nuzlink. Uh, we've killed three Pokemon so far, and we're only just getting to Celadon City. 
it's a disaster and it's been a lot of fun so go watch that if you would like to uh also uh i don't know if anyone listening to this isn't already on the discord but if you're not go join our discord it's a fun place for fun nerds that's my pitch for it fun nerds okay that's all i got back to incomprehensible action Naredo's face right here where you've paused it looks so funny yeah there there's some really good Looney Tunes faces for a second and like <laughs> Manny gets a bunch of them too so anyway they reach the private prison rooms and see a beam saber right outside because we see the cases have those good feet beam sabers which allow them to cut off towers of the prison but not much else unfortunately well, it turns out that a foot beam saber is not a great idea because it's a lot harder to aim. I mean, in space, it's a great idea. In gravity, it is less a great idea. Um, and then we see one of their like air support units barely avoid flying into the tower. And, where we do see Ida. In like prison pajamas that are a little bit doing it for me. I did warn <laughs> you. Although I do not like Bellry's reaction to them. Like in that I feel like he should be either into it immediately or not care at all. Whereas he's like, oh, some bear back later. That's what I'm into, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what does it for me. Uh, anyway, Ner- what does it for Naredo is punishing her romantic rivals. What is Naredo's relationship with Bellry? And what does she want her relationship with Bellry to be? I, is she just it, mad at him for being horny? Or is she is she just generally jealous of this hot princess lady? Or is she specifically jealous that Bellry is into her and not Naredo? It seems to be Naredo is like childhood friend to Bellry. And is ju- and wants to be more than that. Except I, for you say that, but her mom doesn't know who she is. Yeah, no, I have questions about that from next episode because <laughs> Bellry's mom has no idea who Naredo is, but Naredo is planning on giving Bellry a graduation present that is very expensive. No, that's what, like, that's what it, the the relationship seems to be, but there's not like there, there's too many holes in that. And Manny and Naredo's reaction earlier, right, is "Hey, stop being horny." Not "Hey, you're supposed to be into Naredo." Uh, anyway, Naredo hits Ida, who is dangling from a prison bed about to fall down, with a fucking slingshot that she pulled <laughs> out from her character sheet. <laughs> well, because, like, Bellary is like, don't move, you're going to fall. And <laughs> for being too sexy while dangling from, like, in mortal danger, and Ida's like, screw these shenanigans, it just jumps onto the platform. So by the time Bellary gets up to rescue her, she's already rescued well, her own damn self. He just sees the, like, the bed fall and is like, oh no, she's dead. And then sees uh, the two arguing. And Ida rightfully is like, what the fuck, woman? <laughs> who the who carries a slingshot? Well, Dorado is like, this is hunting slingshot ammo. I'm like, that's a slingshot. That's a kid's toy. That shit doesn't do damage no matter what you're doing. No, it's a future slingshot, Zach. It does 2d6 damage. <laughs> <laughs> plus dex mod, plus all her feats. And- yeah, if she'd used it seriously, she could have shot a hole in her butt. And Bellary's like, hey, why do you know my name? And she's like, they mentioned it during interrogation. You're the one who moved the G-self, right? I'm not sure why they told her that but okay interrogation seems different in the future <laughs> along with imprisonment in i mean general. i guess that is true especially from what we see later it seems to be less uh actual interrogation and more casual conversation i assume the only reason she's dressed this way is she chose the sexy prison clothes when given the <laughs> option and so bellary accuses her of calling the pirates here and she's like with what they, look do you pr- see what i'm wearing right now imprisonment in the future is a lot more lax but they did take away my radio and so Bellary is like, why are you resorting to piracy? You're hot. <laughs> and she's like, because didn't you read Atomic Robo? We should be coding the, or I'm sorry, Invincible, not Atomic Robo. We should be coding the Earth and solar panels. And then Bellary's like, we can't because 
fade to a different scene. Yeah, and this might be the most frustrating bit of obscuring information in the entire episode to me. That we cut to Bellary being, we can't, presumably because religious reasons, but maybe there's a practical reason or a philosophical reason that I'm going to say, but we're just going to cut to some random battle we don't need and then cut back to me being slapped, so who knows? <laughs> I, like, he, sh- he runs out to Sarah and says, and that's why, and then, gets <laughs> and then she slaps him, and it's like, why did you feel a need to obfuscate this? This we, was actually kind of important well, information as to, you know, ideological differences between these two characters. Oh, we get some breadcrumbs of it next episode, so I'm, I'm like, I'm interested in what the hell the actual conflict is here, but I think I'm on the side of the pirates already, yeah, so. There's a lot of unicorn Gundam in here, and in part, this is my foreknowledge, in part, it's just unicorn Gundam vibes. I assume the thrust is going to be Bellary ends up with the other side with her. But like, I was kind of hoping the religious people here would have a point just because I'm a little tired of the church being just evil. And, I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually fine with the church being just evil, but I'm tired of religion being evil. I'm tired of God being a demon. I'm fine with the people who worship him being awful, uh, especially the ones in power who are corrupt. But I like the idea of like, a religious philosophy that has some points, which Bellry seems to have next episode. Uh, and so I was kind of hoping they weren't just evil religious people, but I assume he gave a dumb religious answer and that's what's up. <laughs> I mean, it would kind of explain the slap, I guess. But Naredo is immediately like, you slapped Bell, I'm gonna, I'm out for blood. <laughs> but a while Lou and Lee has reappeared to say, hey, we got to get the plot back on track. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't that far away. He was just across the bridge. On his cell phone. Oh, the bridge that's no longer there. Most of the bridge is, well, part <laughs> of the bridge is not there. When they get back to it, it's all gone. Or do we assume Lou and Lee was the last Super Mario bricks of it falling down? <laughs> he was Legolossing it hard. I was yeah, the millennials. Here. Yes. He got a cheap sheep on it. Uh. Uh, we get another proper noun, Captain Cahill. For this one from Ida's internal monologue. So we have the first internal monologue of the series. Thank you, Christ, I think. <laughs> Although... We also, I think this is more next episode, we'll get frustrating bits of Ida's internal monologue, and clearly they are obscuring parts of her internal monologue from us while giving us other parts. Uh, back to some battle, another Sith getting shot down. It doesn't seem to be going well for the Capital Army, slash guard. We slash do get the information research. that space pirates get the death penalty for sailing the highest of seas. <laughs> <laughs> And Manny, when, who's on the floor, is like, hey, they're bringing a boat to take us to Hangar 25 because we're getting our ass kicked and they want Bellary to get in the cool mobile suit to see if he can help. <laughs> and Ida's like, you're going to that mobile suit, that cool mobile suit? I'm coming with you. And everyone's like, Manny, loose lips sink ships. But the bridge is out. The bridge is out. And Ida's like, hey, let's do a jump. Girls in this setting have good jump skills, even on a mech. Let's just jump right over it. And Lewin's like, what? And it turns out that problem's solved because one of their, like, air transports lands. And it's like, get into the chopper. Uh, this is Colonel Delling's instructor Curbs. I was thinking Curbus, like Cerberus, but yes. Dellingson's friend? Second co-worker. in command, I think. He's also a teacher. It was like, ah, students, that's exactly who we need to chase off pirates. Although, because they need to, they're trying to relocate that thing, they want Bellary specifically to pilot it. I do like that uh, they take off and Lewin has to catch the girl's chicken walker with his arm on his chicken walker. Yeah, his chicken walker, he's got like a heavy-duty worker chicken walker because his <laughs> actually has like arms. Like I said, lots of light danger of falling in this series and I'm weirdly kind of here for it. I like <laughs> it as like a weird slight tension builder. I like the effect here that 
everybody who's got a hat is currently <laughs> holding it. Yep. Although I gotta say, nobody is hearing anybody in this situation. That's what I was no, thinking. No, the kids are all downwind from the instructor. That's how voices work, right? <laughs> and that's a heckin' explosion. Uh, but one of the pirates has spotted them. And it's a pirate with a name. Wait, we know that because we cut into him. And he's like, civilians on there? Oh, hey, that's the girl I'm trying to rescue. Her eyes are lighting up with her iris sign. Why does boy also have iris sign? I'm assuming this means, here's my theory, they're related somehow because it's also implied that Ida is older than Belri somehow. How could that be? He's got such a big crush on her. <laughs> Don't they explicitly say that Ida is older than him? Yeah, well, I think later this episode. Anyway, Miss Ida, what does this mean? <laughs> because it turns out all the space pirates are hot for Ida. I mean, Everybody you? but Naredo, apparently, is hot for <laughs> Ida. Lewin, Lewin also doesn't seem to be... He's got a girlfriend. He's just very good at keeping his cool. Because we ever seen him and Ida without Manny there? Fair. Uh, have we ever seen Manny and Ida alone in a room, though? Uh, well, yeah, without Lewin. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it's everybody but Naredo. Manny and uh, Lewin are just good at keeping their cool. So anyway. He, as he goes in, he get the uh, this new guy gets chased off by another Kate Sith. Can you find Hangar 25? I don't know. Maybe the one with the big fucking 25 <laughs> on the outside of it? I love the shot of him, like, Super Mario jumping off of a Kate Sith and shoving it into the water. That is such a cool shot. And uses it for momentum to get back up. It's pretty good. But oh no, there's nobody here. Why does it matter that no bells with them? I don't know, but they point it out every time. I, like, is it important that they have a Haro? A Haro B, thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't upgraded a Haro C. That's the international standard. So they reach the hangar and these the guys are has to turn off the lights and be like, uh, yeah, we we have not finished the budget yet. And uh, remove the tarp from over the G-Self. I love how remarkably chill everybody is with the prisoner just running around. Not as chill as they'll be next episode. Yeah. I know. Although they are playing some 4D chess with her, I think. In, in, the, in the next episode, they are. Here, they're not. They're just like, you know, we don't have the people to really keep you under guard. Yeah, Instructor Kerberos just assumed this was another cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> Because I I could actually kind of <laughs> buy that as a thing. So Bellary's like, man, it looks exactly the same as when I got out of it. And yeah. Ida's like, it's the G-Self. And uh, uh, Bellary's like, like, why? And she's like, because I put the G in G-Self. <laughs> she's just like, because that's the name I gave it. Mariah can't speak, so we can't ask her what she called it. So I get naming rights. We're pretty sure they're the same. I'm kind of talking with knowledge from next episode. This is the same G-Self that Mariah was in, right? There aren't two units. Uh, they, well, I think they haven't actually clarified that. They did say that this was the same model as the one that she came down in. So what happened to the other one then? I thought they captured yeah, it. Yeah, but like also, no. The thing is, if you remember what happened in the first in the first episode, Raria bailed out, and the captain Donaldson went and caught her, and he was in a Kate Uh The G self went flying off to like wherever the hell, and it was being pursued. By the um, the these Amerian mobile suits, was it? Was yes. it? Was it that... was not more Kate Siths were after it. Okay. So yeah. So I guess, and then they went to space with it. Okay. I think we have a timeline on the G cell. Watch now. There will have been two units. Yeah. In the jungle. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the, especially the head design on the G cell. Not yeah. Not my favorite mobile suit. Uh, it's weird to me that you say that, just because this and the aerial look so similar to me, and you were all in on the aerial right away. I love the aerial. They are not the same mobile suit, but they look so similar to me. Like I cannot it, think of a Gundam. It's the horns. Okay, I guess Zach did a nice visual for that. You guys didn't <laughs> see. 
Those are more like antenna, but... <laughs> I don't know why. For whatever reason, the horns bother me on this one. I agree, honestly. The head's, the head's anti-doing it for me. And Bellary's like, man, they couldn't even close the hatch. And then Kerberos starts taking commands like, Lewin, start the boat. Bellary, get in the mole suit. Who responds, what? You mean the entire reason we brought your dumbass over here? And then it cuts to him going, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <end No>. up- <laughs> I, I think it's a matter of like, this is supposed to be kind of like, Bellary is like, wait, you're, you were serious about that? Awesome. I will totally do that. I'm all very for this. Uh, it read to me as like, they, they chose, they had two scenes and they had to choose one of one for his reaction, and then they just animated both, <laughs> and it's very confusing. But Ida seems to be like, no. I, Ida's making plans. Anyway, cap, cut back to Captain... Uh, Cahill. Cahill, who's like, the G-Self and the princess, they will be mine. He jumps into a hangar, but it's uh, not the right hangar. Yep, it's just Cathfist repairs. or I'm sorry, Recton repairs. Or, or given next episode, probably refittings, but... Maintenance at the very least. Bellary gets into this crane they're lifting up so he can get to it. And I love the weight of Ida jumping onto it. It's so well animated as she like jumps on and pulls herself off. And Naredo tries to also get up there, <laughs> but is too slow. <laughs> and like Manny, you saw Manny's reaction there. Right? That's the one I was thinking of her. Like it's super cartoony of what? And then they close in on her and she has a more realistic one, clearly drawn by someone else. And Raraya's like, oh, someone brought my cool Gundam. Uh, Kerbis is like, Bellary, just shove her off. He's like, I, I can't just, like, grab a woman and shove her to her death. <laughs> We're, like, 30 feet in the air. Uh, but anyway, she uses the momentum from getting on the thing to jump into the G-cell first. Jump but, onto the hatch. Yeah, misses. And Bellary's like, I got it. And then lets her back in. And he's like, well. And for some reason, this is where he gets horny. Like, her, look, her outfit doing it for me. I get it. But either be horny at the start, like, it's not like he accidentally revealed some boob or even some stomach, which I would get. Maybe I'm talking too much about my preferences, but a little <laughs> bit of bared back, not any different to me then. Okay, so here's here's where I would actually think more about that, is that previously he didn't, like, have any straight interaction. And here he literally grabs her and pulls her back up and is like, is- oh, wait. Hang on, this is a hot chick? <laughs> I guess it is physical contact, but it seems like weird timing, my man. And it does kind of look more like he gets really embarrassed when she brings her leg up, so he might just be a leg man. Maybe. And Bellray's like, hey, I can pilot it too, you know. And she's like, not alone, you can't. No, she, she's like, I'm not going to let you do it alone. Anyway, Cahill has found the Museum of Continuity, and where he sees <laughs> a bunch of UC mobile suits. <laughs> that get glory shots on them. I like how they're just unpainted statues. I think the implication is that they've, like, what's calcified is the okay. way I took it. Like, these are fossils. Yeah, because, like, there's a capule in there, Which, Zaku, and he refers to them as a, a collection of classics from a past era. Back to the G-Self where the Ray Hunton code has been confirmed, and Bellary's like, I put the backpack in, and she's like, why did your backpack work? And he's like, it's made to the universal standard. And then after a, apparently a recording was played and then he was thrown out and Rariah's like how can he move it kill him nick and captain cahill couldn't only me you mean ida yes what did i say Rariah, different person anyways like i got my universal driver's license and she's like yeah i guess you do <laughs> and so captain cahill sons giovanni. giovanni <laughs> yeah well it is team rocket attacking so anyway they moved the g-self out on the barge and still haven't closed the damn hatch I don't think they can. I think that's the whole thing, is that I, he hasn't figured that out yet. Maybe? I kind of got the feeling it was less like he couldn't close the... It was more 
He couldn't close the hatch because Ida is happening to be standing on it. That might be it in part, but I feel like she would get off if he started to close it. Because they comment earlier, Bella's like, wow, they didn't even close the hatch after I got out. So I think that, like, for whatever reason, that's still not working. That's I my, think they oh, couldn't I close this. the hatch because only Bell, because they can't get it to do anything without Bellry or, I guess, Ida. That was my interpretation of when he said that. Perhaps. So Kerbis is like, hey, is Raraiah talking yet? And Narita's like, no, right, Raraiah? And she's like, ooh, G. someone moving the G. Someone. <laughs> And then we get the exact same explanation about the backpack again. That literally happens twice, and I didn't notice it when I was watching this. Apparently, he uh, had actually found the right yeah, hangar. The... It was just he was just in the back. Everybody knows you put the museum in hangar twenty four <laughs> for museum. It's uh like the Dewey Decimal System, but for mobile suits. Yeah, and he sees the G self going out on the barge, and he's like, "Ah, he may sama." <laughs> Who almost falls out of the cockpit? Because... But, but he doesn't see that, and he's like, "Wait a minute." Miss Ida would never use that strike-ass-looking backpack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hostile. So Bellry is like, all right, I'm jumping off of this thing and getting out of Dodge. And I using the shield to protect the cockpit. I do really love that effect. Like, the way it looks here. I really like the look of it, too. I assume it's less get out of Dodge and more draw fire away from that girl who I know. Well, it's get out of Dodge because I'm currently the target and all these people down here are squishy mortals. Yeah. So he lands in front of who I presume is Giovanni, and we get some real nice shots of the shield doing its job. And we also all... see like a bullet casing from the rapid fire weapon destroy a street lamp. Really cool. I love those kind of effects. And we do see the Vulcans getting used. They are beam Vulcans and very effective. And I have kind of since come up with at least a headcanon for why Ida didn't use them before, which is she clearly did not want to kill anybody in that last confrontation. And so I think she was just being very conservative with her weapon use. I feel like Bellary doesn't either, but he's also more willing to do what needs to be done to get it done, to actually survive. I think it's sort of adrenaline. This is definitely Bellary's first battle, right? So I don't think he's even well, thinking about that. Kind of, because he did go head-to-head -head with Ida. That's true. But he he planned that out, right? He had a plan to not survive contact with Ida. Here he's just like, um, I guess I'm in a G-self, and there's a guy trying to kill me. Well, and there's the other side of that with, uh, he's got an open cockpit. Yeah. He's very concerned about helping Ida, or at least protecting. That's the word so I want. So while Bellry's uh, distracted with blowing the head off of one of the, what, what did we decide these were? These are grimoires. Grimoires. Yeah, these are the these they, are grimoires. Because yeah. remember, uh, Rommel drove the red beret version of this. Yeah, I just couldn't remember its name. We um, have not been given its name on screen yet. But while while he's distracted with that, Cal Hill comes up, punches the beam saber out of his hand. <laughs> I just got then, your note. <laughs> and then ora oras. <laughs> yes, he is definitely uh, doing. No, him. he doesn't actually have a beam saber. Uh, beam rifle is what I meant. No, he's still uh, carrying no. it. Yeah, because he's about to use it. Well, he knocks it aside, is more what I meant. Bellry doesn't realize that he doesn't actually know that Ida is on board. Uh, so we go in. Kyle's about to do the last strike that will destroy the shield and probably kill Ida. Bellry lifts the shield to put the beam rifle up and then just blasts a single hole through the cockpit right as Kyle realizes that Ida's on the G-self. Yep. And presumably kills Kyle without destroying the mobile suit. It's weird to me that we don't get a Gundam-esque shot of Cal Hill being disintegrated like he has been blasted with a Kamehameha. It's almost suspicious, but I assume he is dead. I assume it's actually more of a because Bellry doesn't see it and they like want the reaction of Bellry when he's confused in a second, but it makes real whiplash to me as a viewer also. Yeah, it's, because it's... we then cut straight. Again, we have talked too long for you to get to the effect of how quickly we cut to Ida 
throwing Bellary up against a wall, yelling at him for killing Captain K. I believe yeah, we, it's the it, it is the grimoire. It's the grimoire. Yeah. yeah. So like we see the grimoire fall over, then immediately we cut to Ida like berating him and saying like you just killed a man who didn't need to die. And my thought and Bellary insists that he didn't kill him. Like he hasn't and you know, like hasn't internalized it yet. But also, you know. Self-defense is a thing. Yeah, I like this. I really like that this conversation goes on into the next episode after Bellary has time to think on it. And I also, again, if I'm going to be generous to g I think it's intentional how quick it is. It's just that there are so many quick cuts that this doesn't feel like weird in a, oh, they were trying to go for something way. It feels just like g g at us. Especially since all of Bellary's friends, of course, are supporting him off screen about like how he wouldn't kill anyone. And Manny's like, yeah, they attacked us first. And Mariah being like, hey, Papa. At the G-Self. I love that little continuity there with how beat up and beat to shit the shield for the G-Self is. We also get to Lou and Lee and Curbs looking at the like internals of the grimoire being totally fried. And presumably there's no body because it's a mech scale laser that was fired at point blank range. Yep. But Ida's having a total breakdown because she, clearly she had strong opinions about Cahill. And that he should not be dead. And uh, Bellary's like, I'm not sure what to do here. Uh, like, you were able to fight him, so clearly you can bring him back to life. And he's uh, like, that's not how logic. And she's I guess like, you oh hit no, bargaining? logic, and falls to her knees. I really like throwing this Gundam ass moral thing at the end of this episode. It yes. feels a little too quick, although at least in the next episode, we're going to revisit it. So. Well, especially, like, Bellary is confused about what even happened, because he was just acting on pure instinct, right? Yeah, so. he didn't choose to kill somebody, but it did happen. Probably twice, but no one cares about Giovanni. <laughs> <laughs> His red-headed son is somewhere being like, about damn time. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I don't think we actually saw his noble suit go completely up, but we did see at least the top, the head blow up. Yeah, I assume the cockpit is in the center due to this, but... The episode feels like it's going to end, but there's one last bit where Delinson calls Curbs and is like, hey, the research guys are coming to take the mobile suit. And Delinson's like, we consented to it, being very angry for some reason. It's a little <laughs> weird vibe as the research division ominously takes their boat in and we get a close up of the colonel captaining the boat. Colonel the boat. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Like I said, I think there's stuff to like. I think they do a lot more with the dialogue to help direct the action. I do like the moral quandary at the end and the way it's presented and the way we're getting this Gundam stuff out of the way early. But also, it moves super fast. And having the ability to pause and think really helps with it. It really did, yeah. So I can see while if you were watching this live, it would be more confusing. Uh, The first time I watched it, I did just watch it through. But then I went through and watched it again with a fine tooth comb to take notes. And that was a very different experience. But having like the rewind function comes in very clutch when watching G <laughs> I have to admit, despite what I said earlier about not finding it that confusing. Yeah, I mean, the starting point here is a little bit weird. Uh, there, it has so many of those hard smash cuts where you're like, "Wait, hang on, I just got a little bit of whiplash. What are we doing now?" What was the pirates' plan? Were they just gonna? barge in and blow everything up until they found her like i assume I it was the, a terrorist action of like they were they were coming in to show they meant business like they made demands they were going to come in and although he was searching for hmm. but only he I was think, uh, well him and giovanni but he's the um, leader right that's the implication at least the plan seemed to be they were going to basically demand her return 
and if she was not returned, then it was going to be a smash and grab situation. But they did not give them any time to consider the demands, right? It's not like they could have, in the time they were given, released her if they were going to. Although maybe they knew they wouldn't. But again, we don't have anything from our perspective, so we can't know. Yeah, so the plan seems poorly thought out. A little bit. That said, I I, I really like pretty much the entire like last two-thirds of this episode. The, um, the action plays a lot better than it did in the first episode, I yeah. feel. In some ways, I think that's just because I was ready for it this time and was paying more attention to it. And also, I think the how quick it is, is feels more intentional here because Bellary's just acting on instinct and he's surprised at how quick it's over, too, in a lot of ways. I do think a few of those cuts could use some just a little sanding around those edges, though. <laughs> do you have a high point, Tyler? It's actually going to be the Beam Vulcans. I just really liked watching that Grimoire's head get ripped off. It was pretty cool. Zach? I think mine is going to be that Grimoire stepping through the drawbridge, because I really like how that reinforces just how big and heavy these machines are, and that that was clearly not designed to take that kind of weight. Uh, mine is going to be Manny's like girl power bet, where like she's like, ah, oh, if they can do it, we can. That, that- just really endeared me to her that was my runner-up if if no one had uh taken that i was gonna mention it so uh low point tyler uh why did bellory run into a random wall what purpose <laughs> did that scene serve comedic relief why that was, like, that was a looney tune we interrupt this episode of g reco to bring you looney tunes and now What's back up, to G-Reco. <laughs> i think my low point might be is this manovsky particles smash cut to the girls <laughs> yeah smash cuts are definitely For me, I think it's the, huh? Yes, sir. Smash that. That does it for me. Although the lack of an eye catch where the commercial break should be is hella weird. Okay. I was hoping the DVD version you brought had added an eye catch there. I assume it just never had one because uh, it was originally broadcast as two episodes. And so they just didn't put one there. the first episode had one. Yes. But I assume Um, commercials can be weird when you're running a longer block, though. So. The other thing I'm wondering is whether or not the entire, like, ballroom scene, like, the internal of the ballroom scene served any purpose, because we we got some proper nouns, and then pirates attacked, and I'm wondering if any of that's going to be relevant. I, I 1D3 the, pirates attacked. I think it's thematically relevant to this episode, because, like, we want to show the, what they're doing before it all happens, right? And like you said, it introduced the colonel and his mom. I think but it's- But no, that, that's, out, that's not what he's talking about. Because that's outside of the uh, the ballroom scene. He's saying that once they go inside, whether or not that is actually a scene I, that needed to happen. I think that's pure world building. Yeah, w- with like the bishop being like, hey, uh, Colonel, treat our foreign guests well. And so like, is that relevant? I don't know. Uh, did we need to see the butterfly dancers? I don't know. It was a weird scene that didn't add a whole lot to the episode, but I'm wondering if that's going to be important. Like you said, world building stuff for later. Tyler, do you have an MVP? I mean, it's got to be Bellry, right? Um, he did all the things. He killed Cahill this episode, right? But, like, I, I think more importantly, it speaks to his character and the fact that he's impulsive but trying to do the right thing. I don't know. He's a kid who got thrust into a mobile suit. It's very Gundam. Imagine that. I mean, in this, he got kind of got into it more by choice. Like he, But I do think, yeah, I agree. I think it's Bellry. This is a situation that is kind of happening around him, and he's trying to deal with that, and he's doing not a bad job of it. I'm going to say Manny for girl power and jumping (laughs) over a river in a giant chicken walker, and also hiding Mariah when the cops tried to get her. That is her. Manny is increasingly one of my favorite characters in this show, so. Do we want to talk about the Gundam Seed movie trailer reveal so that people know that we know about it? 
I right? watched the trailer. I mean, um, oh, it's a Japanese anime movie trailer. It's not going to tell you anything. No, I didn't realize it was an actual trailer. No, it's 30 seconds of like, Kira, face math. Lagus, <laughs> face math. <laughs> Kigali, Shin, Atherin. Not in this trailer. <laughs> Footage not found. <laughs> there was one shot of some mobile suits that looked good. Yeah, say so the the scant animation that we did see actually looked pretty good. I'm still skeptical that they're going to hit their what January 26th. That's what they said. Um, I'll believe that movie is coming out after it's in my bin. Yep. Uh, we'll probably do something when it comes out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I very much want to see it if it actually happens. I just I don't expect it to be good. Um, and I don't expect it to be... Low expectations. Yeah, I'm going in with very low expectations. If they meet those very low expectations, I will be satisfied. They could do something actually pretty good with it. Like, we've talked a lot about what a post-Destiny follow-up movie might look like. Yeah, but having seen a couple of, uh, the post-series movies, um, they're all bad. This is 20 years later. This... Gundam Seed is going to be old enough to drink. When that <laughs> hey, maybe that actually might make things better. Who knows? Because the other ones came out pretty short on the heels of their respective series. If it's just an hour and 20 minutes of like one of those chibi skits, but it's a whole movie that is that, um, I will definitely take it. I feel like I have self-actualized this movie coming out because I've just <laughs> been thinking a lot about what sort of content we could do if it ever did come out. And it really depends on what the English release is like. So, so we'll apparently we're learning something. Jeremy's superpower is to actually actualize anime movies into existence. It's because not... he did it with the Evangelion movies, the part four of that one. You haven't done it with the next Monica movie yet, though. I mean, but it was announced the day after I watched the first That's third fair. One. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't actualize the second season of G-Witch. Th- that also ended, but I'm the only one who saw it, so I don't know that we have anything to say about <laughs> it. Now that it's over, I'm going to watch it. Is that the end of the series? Yes. Okay. Um, it feels like they want to tilt more towards just those 24s now. It wouldn't be a Gundam series if it didn't feel like we had set up a whole bunch of stuff and then suddenly it was the last episode and we had to rush through it. And G Witch was the most meta of those, of them being like, hey, by the way, next week is the last episode. I'm like, <laughs> you sure, guys? Okay. I guess we're doing this. Any final thoughts? We did say we were going to go over the ending, but this episode is the longest we've recorded in a long time and I have to turn it around fast, so... We'll save that for next week again. <laughs> yeah. Now, my final thought, like, I think, like you said, I really like the vibes of this show. Like, which, it, it is a fun world to be in, even if it's hard to follow. Which, like I said, makes that cold logic comment so wild to me, because this feels like the series with the least logic and the most vibes. Zach, any final thoughts? It does have that bit of a problem of the, of the just smash cutting on everything, but it's not been that hard to follow yet. No, it's, it's not. just a few weird instances that have made things a little confusing. I think it would be harder to follow broadcast on TV, to be fair. Like I said, the pause button can come in clutch. But I also think being warned so much about g prepares your mind in a way <laughs> that like, it's not, it is too fast. It is confusing to watch, but it's not so confusing that you can't follow it if you are actively engaged in doing so. Well, also being able to, uh, you know, go back and watch it again in a week. Yeah. As opposed to have to wait to whenever it shows up again. Yes. Helps a lot. But unlike Modica or Evangelion, you don't get nearly as much out of it on a rewatch because it's not that it's dense. It's that it's badly paced. So like what you get out of it is just an okay Gundam show. Yeah. 
with that said, we will be back next week with episode three, The Pressure of Montero. Do we have an outro yet? Um, This will be fun. No, it won't. Gee!